All right, let's open our Bibles this morning, please, to Luke chapter 12. Thank you, church, for a good service so far. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for having ears to hear. Thank you for your heart for missions. If any of you would like to speak to Brother Yvonne, Sister Machi, they're, they're going to stick around for the bribe. So if you have questions about the mission field or just want, want to get to know them, perhaps shake their hand, giving them an, give them an encouraging word. Give them a hug. Let them know you love them before they go today. But uh, be mindful that you'll have that opportunity a little later. Also, I, I know it's a busy day today. We got church this morning. We got the bribe. We got this service tonight that I've been announcing quite a bit and asking you to make time for. It's good to give the Lord this day. Right? We, we call it the Lord's day for a reason. Uh, so be not weary in well-doing. Amen. But that being said, uh, I'm going to bring you a message. The name of it is called Don't Try to Hide It. And Brother Yvonne, I asked you to preach during the Bible study hour. Did I ask you what to preach? I didn't tell him what to preach. I kid you not. But he and I are right on the same page today. So if you were here for both sessions, he talked about hypocrisy. Well, here we go. Luke chapter 12, verse number 1. In the meantime, when there were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trod one upon another, he began to say unto his disciples, first of all, Beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever ye have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light. And that which ye have spoken in the ear in closets shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. And with these words being read, let's bow our heads and pray and ask for God's assistance. Father, it seems as if you have a theme for us this morning. I trust that you will speak to your people. Father, I, I want to get out of the way and, and let you do the work today. Please use me just as a vessel to deliver the message. Father, put a guard about my lips that nothing wrong might come out, but only that which you want your people to hear. Father, please fill me now. Thank you for what you've already done in our hearts. Continue to work, please. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. If you were with us last Sunday, we went through the latter half of Luke chapter 11. As you know, we've been going uh, steadily through the Gospel of Luke, verse by verse and passage by passage. Jesus was at a dinner party wherein he rebuked the Pharisees and, and didn't hold anything back, did he? He told them, you guys are like graves. You guys make clean the outside of the cup and platter, but inside you're full of ravening and wickedness. He didn't hold back. He was not afraid to speak his mind to the people. And in this verse, you see it's a continuation in this passage. In verse 1, in the meantime. So while Jesus is at this dinner party, he's in, these, in, a, in the home of a religious leader, a crowd is beginning to gather. As you can see at the end of verse at the end of chapter 11, Pharisees and scribes they're pestering him with questions, trying to catch him in his words, and now this discussion is starting to get a little bit heated. Jesus sees that this great multitude has gathered and rather than hold back, this simply emboldens Jesus even more. He's not being mean, he's not saying this in any kind of sarcastic way, but he's 
telling it straight. He's telling these people what they need to hear in the presence of these very same Pharisees. He has just called them hypocrites to their face. He then realizes that amongst this innumerable crowd are some of his disciples. And he sees this as an opportunity to warn them of the dangers involved with this religious hypocrisy. He doesn't hold anything back. Still unafraid to to tackle the difficult issues. In verse number 1, he began to say unto his disciples, first of all, Beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Be aware. Watch out. What would you do if you saw one of your friends walking down the road and a Sotsi coming up behind him and you knew it was a gang of Sotsi? What would you do? You would probably try to warn them, wouldn't you? Look out. Danger is imminent. They're coming to get you. This is going to harm you. Shame on you if you would say nothing. Jesus realizes the horrible effect that religious hypocrisy can have on any people, even his own disciples. And he says, look out, here are some spiritual sotsi. And they're all around you. They are pervasive in the culture. He wants them, when we say beware of something, what you're saying is be mindful of the effect that this is going to have. Watch out for this leaven. Take it seriously. Take notice of it. Mark them which cause divisions among you, contrary to the doctrine which you have learned. Jesus is making it known publicly that what these guys are teaching and the way they live is wrong. And His disciples need to be aware of that. Notice He said, Beware ye. He already told the Pharisees in the chapter before to be aware. Now he's telling his disciples, you guys be aware of what's going wrong with these folks. I think one mistake that's been made in the modern church is is to back away from condemning bad religion. We all just want to get along. No one's ever wrong anymore. We just want to love everybody and give everybody a big, warm, fuzzy hug. And, well, I'm a Christian and therefore I don't want to say anything mean. Bless God, you better say something true. That might be a wolf in sheep's clothing. And and God help any of us if you see that, not to yell out and say, beware. That spiritual sotsi is coming for you. We need to mark them. I want to make a few observations about this. As I, if I am one of Jesus' disciples and I'm standing in this room, standing in this vicinity, and I hear Him say this, what am I thinking? What's going through my mind? A few thoughts. Don't be swept away with the outward show of these religious hypocrites. Don't be fooled. Don't think that just because they look good on the outside that they are everything they claim they are. Try to have some discernment and know whether or not that person is the real deal. Just because you enjoyed a YouTube short of that person preaching, don't just jump on board and say everything he says must be right. We've got to have some discernment. You've got to approach this. And, and, and Jesus said, judge not according to appearance. But judge righteous judgment, you got to get deeper than the surface. Don't be fooled by the sheep's clothing. Anybody can speak Christianese. If I hear Jesus say that, that's what I'm thinking. I've got to take a longer look at people that claim to be spiritual 
and religious. Number two, if I hear Jesus say, beware ye of their hypocrisy, I am going to think I don't need to be fellowshipping with those people. I should not have fellowship with them. You say, well, they're kind of nice, and you know, they invited you over for a dinner party, and what's wrong with that? And isn't that, maybe we can rub off on them. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. At one stage, Jesus, on many occasions, did Jesus rebuke these religious hypocrites. At one stage, he rebuked them very sharply, and his disciples came to him and said, "Uh, Jesus, don't you know that you have offended them? Jesus, weren't you a bit too harsh? Here's what Jesus responded with. He said, let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, they'll both fall in the ditch. He was trying to prevent his disciples from falling into that ditch. And he said, guys, in order to do that, you can't be walking down the path with them. You'll fall in the ditch with them. Leave them alone. Let them alone. Don't fellowship with them. If I hear Jesus say this in verse 1, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy, I'm also going to think, not only do I not want to fellowship with them, but I don't want to be like such people. I don't want to follow in their footsteps. And here's why I emphasize this point. Don't think that it can't happen to you. I bet there were some of those Pharisees and scribes that got into godly things when they were younger and started studying with good intentions but as life got on they got swept up in the religious momentum of their community and before you know it you're doing just what they're doing jesus says beware it's very easy folks after a while you've been walking with the lord and you're excited and you're learning and you're growing and people within your spiritual circle begin to know you a bit they begin to expect a certain thing of of you and rather than stay genuine and and continue that good momentum and you're continuing to learn and to grow rather you begin to wax cold you're not as hot as you once were you've fallen into that lukewarm trap but you don't want to let off as if that's happening so you put on a front so that the people around you who've come to expect a certain level of spirituality from you you want to make sure they continue to think that of you And it's no longer a genuine, sincere effort to worship the Lord like you once did. Jesus uses the illustration of leaven to get his point across. He says leaven is like hypocrisy. Do you see it in in verse 1? The leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. So let's talk about these two things, hypocrisy and leaven, and immediately you'll see why Jesus used this as an illustration Brother Yvonne mentioned it. He defined hypocrisy for us. I'm going to say the same thing in a few different words. Hypocrisy is you want people to think you're something that you're not. Hypocrisy is trying to lie to God and to man about who you really are. You're you're lying. You're hiding who you really are. Hence the name of my sermon. Don't try to hide it. Now how is that like leaven? What's leaven? Leaven is what causes dough to rise. It is like yeast, is we would call it a leavening agent. It makes things appear bigger than they really are. You can take about three cups or about 350 grams of flour, you mix in the correct other ingredients, liquids and what's not, what, what not, and you put a 10-gram packet of yeast into that. 350 grams, flour, 
10 grams of yeast. Do you, do you hear the balance in that? Just a little bit of leaven will leaven that whole lump. Now, as I've said, you've got to mix that correctly. You've got to have the right temperature water, right amount of flour, put a little bit of sugar in there, a little bit of salt, and then you mix in that 10 grams of yeast, and it, then you cover it, you put it in a warm area, you give it about 45 minutes, plus minus, and that lump that once fit in your hand will now be the size of the bowl. It will expand and blow up. And if you were to look at it in that bowl, you think, now there's a lot in that bowl. That bowl that is massive, and it started off only covering the very bottom of the bowl, but in 45 minutes, it just got puffed up. And poof, you'd look at it and think, yo, I could never eat all of that. All you got to do is this. Stick your finger in it. It's a very satisfying thing. It is. And you see it go. You see, what's actually happening is that yeast releases a gas. Once it warms up, it releases a gas. And it's putting air into the dough which is when you get a piece of bread, you'll see what they call the crumb. The crumb of the bread is all the air pockets. It is literally full of hot air. If I can be even more literal, it's full of gas. (laughs) And that's what happens with a lot of folks. As soon as they start to think they're something they're not, they're just getting puffed up in their own mind. These Pharisees were full of hot air. Because they like to talk about their walk with God, but they didn't really have one. The last thing you need from a pulpit is a preacher who's going to tickle your ears and puff you up. And tell you that you're something that you're not. And God help us, make you comfortable in the condition you are. If you've done any baking at all, you know once you leaven the the dough and it begins to rise, you don't just shove it in the oven. This is the proving process. You've got to take that dough out, you dump it onto the board, and you've got to knock it down again. And you've got to knead that dough. And amen, we've got a good rolling pin right here. You just roll it over the dough and get all that air out. After a while, you let it sit long enough, you know what's going to happen? It'll puff back up. <laughs> and then you've got to knead all that out again. And that's what you need on a consistent basis to come to a church where they're going to open up the Word of God and knead the dough a little bit. Somebody needs to come over to you perhaps and and stick a finger in what you think you are and go, no, 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 this is just a bunch of hot air. You've just been hearing some preaching that tickled the ears and made you think you were something you're not. You need somebody like the Lord Jesus Christ to just remind you that one day the truth of who you really are is going to come out. I have one point and I have several illustrations to go with it. In verses 2 and 3, Jesus is going to expose their hypocrisy. And he gives us one thought to do it. One thought. Nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Here's the one thought that will prevent you from becoming a hypocrite. It will prevent you from living a double life. And perhaps if the dough is leavened, this is your chance to purge that out by applying this simple yet profound truth. Here it is. This is how you expose hypocrisy. One day, everything that is now hidden will be revealed. Everything. There is no, he said nothing. 
Perhaps you want to circle that word, nothing. There's nothing, nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. In order to expose the problem of hypocrisy, Jesus emphasized that ultimately hypocrisy will be exposed. How do I figure out right now just how big of a problem with hypocrisy I have? Apply this truth. If I were to stand at the judgment right now, what would God say about me? Because it's very easy when we live our Christian lives in front of people and we hear their applause and we have the praise of men and our friends and family give us the thumbs up and say, yeah, I I think you're a, a good Christian. Does God think that? Have you compared that with the Bible or have you compared that with the opinions of Um Tani? There is nothing covered that shall not be revealed. Don't try to hide it. Now, can I, can I point something out about verses 2 and 3? These are very simple thoughts. There is nothing covered. You see that in verse 2? There is nothing covered? Well, there's no full stop there. Do you see that? Because there are some things covered. If you put a full stop there, that'd be a false. It, it would present a different truth. There is nothing covered. Well, see, that's, that's not really true. There are some things covered. Right now, this morning, no doubt in the room, we have some things covered. Verse 2, neither hid. Sure, there are some hidden things. But, but there's no full stop there. There's nothing covered that won't be revealed. There's nothing hid that will not be known. Perhaps some things that you've said in the darkness, in that private area where your reputation wouldn't be damaged by having those words known to others. Perhaps you uttered some lying words, some gossiping words, some critical words. Maybe you gave out some flattering words, maybe some hateful words that you wouldn't dare say to that person's face, but you have the guts to say it in darkness. And Jesus says, I want you to know something, disciples. Be aware of this and please, don't you, don't you think that he just re- relaxed and said this in, in a nice way. He's saying this with all these Pharisees who are being ugly to him. He is trying to make this point very clear that this kind of life is going to end you up at the judgment in a very bad place. Guys, what you've been doing in the darkness, verse 3, no one else heard you or saw you but you forgot that God did. And that one simple truth will prevent you from becoming that spiritual hypocrite. Knowing that God actually knows what's going on inside of me. I might have fooled others, but not Him. So, might I say it this way, your secrets are safe for now. But just for now. Enjoy it while you can. Because one day, and by the way, this applies to all of us. I get it. I I, I understand that I can turn around and preach this to myself. It's not as if my secrets get brushed under the rug because I'm a preacher. God knows why I'm standing here. God knows why I'm preaching, and I'm comfortable with that. You can doubt my motives, but I don't have to ultimately answer to you. My job is to tell you the truth. And the reason I want to tell you that truth is because I care about you. 
And, listen, if somebody is starting to nod off spiritually, you need somebody to clap. Oh, 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 wake me up. Oh, oh, there it is. Somebody's got to get your attention with it. Because everybody coming by and stroking you and patting you on the back going, oh, but we love you. Oh, but we, we love the puffed up version of you. That's not helping. Somebody's got to come along and and take that preaching finger and and stick it right in that big puffed up loaf and and knock the air out. As we read through the Bible, we find that many of our forefathers have tried this. The first two that ever sinned, what did they do? Adam and Eve, they ate the fruit they were not supposed to eat. The Bible says they sowed fig leaves. And what did they do? The Bible says they hid themselves. They hid themselves. Do you re- now, now think that through. Hey, Eve. Oh, this is embarrassing. Oh my goodness, I've never felt like this. I've never felt such shame and guilt. No one ever had. They didn't know how to deal with it. So what do they do? Hey, we know that God's going to come around looking for us. Let's hide. Do you realize how silly that sounds? Let's hide from God. Where? You want me to duck into the Priek stool? God won't find me here. I mean, what kind of nonsense is that? You know what they did? Let's find the biggest tree we can. Hide behind it. Really? But one day, God came walking through, and it says they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God, and God said, Adam, where art thou? God didn't need to ask that question because He couldn't find Him. He asked the question so that Adam would wake up to the fact that he's trying to hide from an omnipresent, omniscient, almighty God who knows exactly what's going on in your heart. Even if you don't have the guts to admit it. And Eve, just in case you feel left out, the Bible says they hid themselves. Eve was back there too. One day, God will expose the fact that you were hiding. One day, you'll have to answer to the Almighty. We read about Abraham and Sarah and a famine hits and they head down to Egypt and Abraham tells his wife, listen, you know, you're a beautiful woman. And if they find out that we're married, they're going to kill me. Tell them that you're my sister, which was a half-truth. It it was his half-sister, actually. Tell them you're my sister. Trying to hide it. Oh, it wasn't too much later. God brought a punishment down on Egypt and all of Egypt figured out this Abraham guy's a liar. You can try to hide it all you want. Be sure your sin will find you out. That's a promise from God. Be sure your sin will find you out. God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, good news. That boy that I promised you, not Ishmael, but the other one, Isaac, it's going to become a reality. This, it, it, in nine months, next year, this, this time of the year, your wife is going to bring forth a, a child. Sarah was in the tent and overheard this conversation. And, and the Bible says in Genesis 18 that Sarah laughed, listen, laughed within herself. She laughed within herself. God asked Abraham a question. Hey, why is Sarah laughing? Wherefore did Sarah laugh? 
couple of verses later, Sarah got to answer the Lord. And she said, I didn't laugh. Here's God's response. He said, nay, but thou didst laugh. What she meant to say was, I didn't laugh out loud. Just because no one heard it and no one saw it doesn't mean it didn't happen. Because God looks on the heart. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God's looking on the heart. And the critical comments that you have about my preaching, I don't want to hear them. I can't take it. I don't have enough backbone to hear all the complaints. But God knows how you're responding, not to how I'm saying it, but to what God said in His Word. I don't like how you say, well, okay, then you go tell God, I don't like how you said it. It doesn't make it any less true. Amen. You say, why are you being so, so uh, harsh about it today? Just to try to wake you up. Just, just to try to show you how serious this, this kind of thing is. And I don't want you to get to the judgment one day and say, well, no one ever told me that this was a big deal to just go on being puffed up like that. I thought it was just fine to live that kind of... No, no, no. Not if you're here today. We're going to stick the finger in there and knock that out. He said, Sarah, you did laugh. Some years later, Sarah has a grandson named Jacob. Jacob hears that his daddy is now blind. His daddy's going to pass on the blessing to Esau. Jacob hears about this from his mother. His mother comes up with this plan. Jacob, let's dress you up, put you, wrap you in goat skin so that you look like Esau and so that you smell like Esau. Esau had to have been one ugly sucker. <laughs> Let's dress you up in the skins of a goat, right? So that you look, my soul. Jacob at first, listen, Jacob at first thought, oh, that's not a good idea, Ma. Isaac's going to know. Daddy's going to know. You know what Rebecca said? Oh, don't worry about that. I'll take care of it. If, if anything happens, my wrong be, you, you, this wrong be upon me. I'll, I'll take care of it. Jacob at first wasn't comfortable being a fake. But once you get the goat skins on, and once you get in there with the pot of venison that your mom made, you didn't catch it while you were hunting, you're just borrowing somebody else's hard work, and then you're trying to take the credit for it, walking into the room saying, the Lord has blessed me in the fields today. You liar. God didn't do that. You went to pick and pay and bought that. Ready made. You didn't cook that. He comes in, he says, who, who, who are you? Well, I'm your son Esau. You know, at, at first Jacob was not so comfortable pretending to be someone else. But as time went on, as the conversation went on, Isaac in that one conversation asked five times, who are you? And perhaps today the Holy Spirit will ask you throughout the sermon, who, who are you really? In the space of that one chapter, Esau found out that Jacob was dressing up like him. Isaac found out that he had been deceived. And Jacob tried to run from that reality for a while. Until one day, late at night, when he thought Esau was coming to kill him, God had Jacob down on the mat, pinned him down on the mat, wrestling with him. And he said, I'm not going to let go. God had touched the hollow of his thigh and put his thigh out of joint. I mean, that had to have been painful. And he said, I am not, Jacob said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. 
God said, I cannot bless somebody in your condition. Let me ask you a question. What's your name? What's your name? You know Jacob immediately went back to those days when he stood there in front of his daddy and lied, trying to make his daddy think he's somebody that he's not. That's what hypocrisy is. Trying to make others think you're something you're not. Who are you? What's your name? And that word had to come out. I'm Jacob. You know what Jacob means? A faker. A supplanter. A liar. He had to admit it. He said, I'm the guy that works underhanded. I'm the guy that's not real. I will say whatever you want to hear so that I get what I want. That's what the name Jacob means. He said, you're not going to get blessed until you admit it. You have an option, friend. You can uncover it yourself now and enjoy a walk with God. Or you can leave it covered until the day of judgment. One way or the other, it won't stay hidden forever. You might as well take this advice. Don't try to hide it. Don't try to hide it. Moses, he sees an Egyptian quarreling and brawling with one of his Hebrew brethren. You know the story. He took the Egyptian, killed him, hit him in the sand. Next day comes out, two Hebrew brothers fighting, two Hebrew men fighting. He said, brethren, these, you ought not to do this. And one of the Hebrews rises up and says, who made you a ruler or a judge over us? Are you going to kill me like you did that Egyptian yesterday? And the Bible says, Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. You know what I learned from that? Moses thought he got away with it. The day before, don't you know, as he killed that man and was hiding him in the sand, don't you know Moses was being careful? He, 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 he's out there with the shovel and he looked this way. No one's looking? Okay. No one's looking? Every, every time that shovel hit the dirt, he's looking around. Anybody, anybody watching? Anybody know the truth about me? Well, I, I'm doing it in a place where they can't see me. Surely they don't. Oh, surely this thing is known. Surely this thing is known. Moses feared he ran. People know before you think they know. People, you might deceive them for a while, but they'll figure it out eventually. Someone will come along and poke a, poke a hole in your dough. And then we'll know. You guys remember the story of Achan? God told the Jews, as you go into the land, as you conquer these various ites, Canaanites, Hivites, Girgashites, and so forth, as you conquer the ites, do not take their stuff. It's cursed. Don't take it. Leave it alone. And they won victory after victory after victory, taking over the land. I mean, they were just rolling over the enemy. But one man thought, won't be a big deal. Take a little bit. No one will ever know. Joshua sends some men out, just a small deployment of men, to fight a little city called Ai. And just a few men from Ai wipe out thousands in Israel. Or forgive me, just they wipe out that small deployment of Israel. And after, after that happened, Joshua goes to pray and says, Lord, oh, oh no, if we can't take down Ai, that means surely we are finished. 
If we can't beat that little city, God, that means you're no longer with us. Oh, God, what are we going to do? And God looks at Joshua and says, hey, man, quit panicking. Come on, get off the ground. What, what? Listen, there's sin in the camp. There's something hidden, but I'm going to reveal it. Now, I don't know about you folks. I believe in the God of the Bible, do you? What if, what if that same God that did what he did in Joshua chapter 7 showed up today and said, okay, there's a reason this church isn't moving at the pace it should, and we're not doing what we should as a church. We're, we could do better. We, we could see more saved. We could grow closer together. But there's some sin in the camp. Okay, let me point out who it is. Boy, wouldn't, don't you know that some folks start to get a little nervous? Palms would get sweaty. You would want to come sit in one of these front seats with the high backs. You could hide. If, if the, I'm not going to do it, right? I, I'm, just, I'm just making an illustration, you understand? But, but if the finger of God were to just start pointing them out, say, okay, it's over here, and, and there's some over there, and a little bit over there. You say, preacher, no, 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 that, that's awkward. God wouldn't do such a thing. What do you think the day of judgment is? God told Joshua, what we're going to do tomorrow, he said, you get the people ready, we're going to call them out by tribes. There's 12 tribes. I'll choose one tribe. And then from that tribe, I'll choose the family. And then from the family, I'll choose the household. And then from the household, I'll go man by man. So he narrowed it down. He said, all right, out of all, let's say today we have six sections in the church. All right, uh, this section. And then you all have to come forward. And he says, okay, um, front rows. And then they come. And then, all right, front row. And then, all right, everybody in the front row. And then we pick one. Don't you know, as, as, as that process would go, and Achan's standing there, he knows what he has hid at his house. Oh, he wouldn't bring it to the tabernacle. That would be embarrassing. But he'll hide it at his house. As God narrowed it down, and there's Achan standing there. God said, there he is. That's the cause for the entire nation going down right there. It's Him. The conviction of God that fell upon Achan, I can only imagine how heavy that was. Joshua said, stand up, son. Take it like a man now. Confess. Tell me what you've done. Hide it not from me. Achan replied and said, I took the Babylonian garments, I coveted them, I took them, and behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent. You'll go find it, I, I buried it under the tent. Achan ended up being stoned to death that day along with his family. You know why? Because his family was in on it. They knew that stuff was there and they helped dad cover it up. Do you see that when hypocrisy starts, it affects not only you, but the people around you. Achan thought he could hide it, but he couldn't. We read in the Bible about David, who was a man after God's own heart. But as any sinner, he's a man of like passions. Sees a woman bathing. Brings her into his house. Fornication, adultery takes place. She falls pregnant. And in order to cover this up, David, a man of God, covered it up. 
by having the husband sent to the front lines of the hottest battle so that he could die. And then David, who is, is walking with God for so many years, when he hears news that Uriah has died, here's his response. Huh? What you going to do? These things happen. It's war. One man dies just like another man dies. That's it. All right, on we go. You know what he tried to do? Cover it up and then pretend like it wasn't a big deal. It was a big deal. Bathsheba has the baby. Shortly thereafter, the prophet Nathan comes in. David, let me tell you a story. And David, knowing his Bible, he knew, okay, the guy who took that poor man's lamb and killed it, he should be punished. He should restore fourfold. He knew he could quote Exodus 22. He knew right where to go in the law to fix the He knew his Bible. Listen, just because you've been walking with God and know your Bible, it doesn't mean that the leaven of hypocrisy cannot sneak into you, David. That's why Jesus turned to his disciples and said, Beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees. Because any of us is susceptible to this. Nathan said, You think that that rich man who took the poor man's lamb should be punished? David, thou art the man. And don't you know, all in one moment, everything David had feared for the past 12 months grabbed hold of his heart and he realized everything I tried to cover up is now exposed. The prophet began to tell him, you're going to be punished for this. He said to David, thou didst it secretly. But this is God speaking through the prophet. He said, thou didst it secretly, but I will do this, this thing, this punishment, before all Israel and before the sun. And that is exactly how David got punished. A tent was set up on the top of the house. And all of Israel saw Absalom going in to David's wives. Why? Because what you did in the darkness upon the housetops. Luke 12, verse 3. Proclaimed upon the housetops. Even the very best of God's people can sometimes forget He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. For God will bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. That one fundamental truth, knowing that one day you will stand before God and all of this will come out. If you make that a, a real thing every day, a reality, you live by that reality, it will keep you real, sincere, genuine. And you'll know there's no point in trying to hide it. If I know that I have some spiritual issues, if I know that I'm not where I need to be, I don't need to run around telling everybody how bad I am. I just need to get busy fixing it. I don't need to go around pretending to be something I'm not. That will only hurt me and the people around me. I've given you a few illustrations from the Old Testament. I'm going to finish on one from the New. Lest you think that it couldn't happen in a church 
Maybe you remember almost 2,000 years ago as the church was just being born and getting started. A man and his wife cooked up a plan. They sold a piece of land. They said, let's tell the pastor that we sold it for this much when actually we sold it for that much and it will sound as if we're giving a bigger offering, right? We, we will make out as if we are giving everything that we got from the transaction. So let's just lie about the amounts. Ananias and Sapphira came into Peter and said, here's what we're giving. This is what we sold the land for. He said, did you sell the land for so much? Yeah, 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 yes, definitely. And Peter said, why has Satan filled your heart? To lie to the Holy Ghost. Okay. Can I just remind you folks? That happened in a church. I wonder what it would be like if some of those biblical things that we've read about today. What if Acts chapter 5 happened in church this morning? What if God were to peel back some of the lies and say that's what's actually going on. You say, Brother Mike, listen, that's not how we do it. That's not how we're used to church. But that's in the Bible. Again, I'm not saying that I have any... I'm not gunning for any one person today. I'm trying to pass on the warning that Jesus gave His disciples. That this is to prevent Ananias and Sapphira from dropping down dead during a church service. But you talk about killing your spiritual life. Ananias drops over dead. Later on when Sapphira gets to church, they ask her as well, did you sell the land for that much? Yes. She went along with the plan. Down she went as well. Peter told him, you're not lying to men. You're actually lying to God. Understand how big and how grave this particular sin is. Stop living a lie. Luke 12 and verse number 3, Jesus said, Whatsoever ye have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light. And that which ye have spoken in the ear in closet shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. Perhaps that is a scary verse. So I'm going to finish on an upside. How about you say good things in the darkness? How about when, when you go into the closet you pray instead of gossip? And then you're not worried about what they might say one day. One day at your judgment. Might it be said, might it be proclaimed upon the housetop, if you let your eyes scan down to verse number 8, whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. Might it one day be shouted from the housetops, this man, this woman, truly, genuinely, sincerely, wanted to be more like Christ. This person made a legitimate effort to worship God in spirit and in truth. This person, despite their shortcomings and many faults, never tried to be something they weren't. This person loved the Lord. Now, God knows if that's true of you today, take this truth, let it sink deep, and hopefully it will purge out any of the leaven that might be in your life. Let's all stand, please. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Heads bowed and eyes closed. And the pianist will come, please, and play something just for a moment. 
I'd like to give you a chance to respond to what you've heard. I'll tell you a really good way to deal with this is, is just come on down here and, and reveal it. Not to me, not to me. Say, God, I'm sorry. Help me to, help me to fix that problem. Whatever it is I'm hiding, help me to make it right. And help me to be real. Perhaps today, friend, you need to admit, I do not know what it means to be born again. I've heard that. The people around me talk about being a Christian and being saved, but I'm not really sure what that is. There's no shame in admitting that you need to learn something. But what shame it would be to pretend that you know what it is when you don't. Would you, plenty have come. Would you come? Would you come and, and say, Preacher, I, I, I'd like to know more about that. Please help me. I won't proclaim it upon the housetop. We'll, we'll take you away privately. Have a nice conversation about it. But you're going to have to take the courageous step of admitting it. I don't think any of us would be comfortable to have our hearts and minds opened up for everybody to see. But you understand, it's one thing to know that your heart and mind need some work. It's one thing to know it and be working on it. It's a completely different thing to know it, leave it, cover it up and then pretend like you have no issues there. Pretty simple. Adam, where art thou? Hey, Adam, I see you behind that tree. I, I, I see you back there. Waiting for you, Adam. Step out. We, we got a little room at the altar here. Come on, Adam. Eve, I see you hiding behind Adam. Come on out with it. Let's admit what you did. Jesus gave us this stern warning so that we could make it right before we get to the judgment. You understand that? He wasn't saying it just to be mean. He wanted to give you a chance to expose it yourself now. Because if you judge yourself, you'll not be judged. Adam, you still have a minute. You say, I'm, I'm, I want to go. I want to go up there and pray. I can feel the Holy Spirit touching my heart. But what would all the people around me think if they saw me go forward? 
What's hypocrisy? You want people to think you're something you're not. You're afraid that people would discover that you have an issue. Folks, you really... Listen, we love you. That's, that's why we're preaching this. We want to help. You come down this path, you'll find the Father here with open arms, welcoming you home. Saying, thank you, prodigal son. You came to yourself. You finally admitted what a mess you are in. Now let me help you fix it. That's the heart of God in this. He wants to purge out that leaven. With everything you got covered up, with all the trees you hide behind, God still comes walking in the cool of the day and says, where are you? You know why? Still loves you. Even though He knows you, still loves you. Even though He cannot stand the hypocrisy, He wants to see you come right. Father, thank You for loving us enough, caring about us enough to tell us the truth about ourselves. Lord, there's no way that I can see today what what only your eyes are privy to. I look on the outward appearance. You look on the heart. And Father, I pray that you would do just that, that you would work on the hearts of those here today. God, help us. You know we're a fallen, depraved people. It's only by your grace that we stand. God, help us to be real with you, to be genuine with you and with each other. Lord, help us now as we go about the rest of this week not to cover it up, but to expose it to the light of your word and do something about it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, folks, thank you so much for your time this morning. Lord willing, we'll get the coals going just now now. So we'll, if you need to...